Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to the Create Me Podcast. Today is going to be episode 61, and it's the start of a series of chats with the Look Again Festival artists. Today's guest is Craig Barrowman. He's a local artist based in Aberdeen. We speak about his creative journey so far, his previous involvement with Look Again, and also his new project for this year's festival, Mobile Proposal Machine. I hope you guys enjoy our chat, and I'll catch up with you at the end. Alright, bye for now. podcast this is going to be episode 61 of the podcast and you know like I said at the intro this is going to be um, the first of a series of um, a few chats with um, um, the Look Again Festival and today's guest is Craig Barrowman. Um, Craig I was kind of looking at um, some of your work online and I think you're kind of like a more, would you describe yourself as a multifaceted kind of practitioner or artist? Yeah I it took a while for me to have the guts to do but I eventually at some point started just seeing, seeing people I'm an artist yeah okay so that just kind of covers everything that I do but yeah but yeah I mean I work in all sorts of media uh, and but yeah the words the word artist covers it okay <laughs> cool and I think like um this as I was saying to you just off mic that I didn't realize like you know all the kind of stuff that you've been involved in in Aberdeen and the kind of projects as well especially with look again festival yeah and we're going to touch on that a bit I think and also the new project that you're involved in yeah with um look again uh, mobile proposal i can't say that word <laughs> proposal machine yeah. so I'll definitely get into speaking to yeah. about that new project for look again this year but just for the listeners could you just give them a little bit of a background about yourself sure yeah well i uh, i grew up in a small town called stonehaven or it used to be a small town called stonehaven okay. just south of aberdeen mm-hmm. It's not so small anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went to, I went and studied. I mean, I don't really know what, what to do at school. Yeah, okay. Just did okay at school and then I had no idea what to do. And then just as I was about to go into a boring sort of sixth year, uh, just treading water, I realised that you could go and study art. Okay. I didn't realise until mm-hmm. someone mentioned it to me. So I was like, yeah, that's the most enjoyable thing to do. So uh, I went and did that at Aberdeen College back in mid-90s, okay, it's a long time ago, and then uh, after a, a, a failed sort of, a failed start at doing uh, a computer science degree, right. which was just a bit of a kind of scared move, I think, because mm-hmm. I was like, going into art's not a very stable life choice, so I think I might have caved in and went, did that, but it was not for me, yeah. so you ended up going to, going into Grey School of Art, mm-hmm. uh, the end of the 90s, and studied sculpture there. Then uh, when I finished that, I just did some work. I think the first sort of art type thing I did was working as a, a gallery tech okay. and receptionist at Peacock Visual Arts. Okay. So uh, they were very generous. I wasn't a very good receptionist. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was a, a great team there. And you know, I, I was really lucky to meet people who kind of mentored me. Yeah. Uh, and then pretty quickly, I started getting into doing community art. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think uh, on the way down here today of if there was a key sort of moment. And I think... It's the people that I met along the way, which is often—I mean, that's how it goes in this yeah. this side of things. And the it, there was an artist called Ava Mertz, Aye. who I met when I was quite young. She was doing work with Peacock, and she had a, a project called a New Social Art School. Uh, but yeah, she completely changed how I thought 
you know, being an artist could be. Okay. You know, so that the the standard model of making objects in your studio mm-hmm. and finding some way to distribute them into the world. Yeah. And, you know, sell them or whatever. That was the kind of standard model that I I had for it. But then I realised that art could be about getting people together. Yeah. And about almost short going straight to the communication part because art really when you boil it down is about communicating Absolutely. ideas to people yeah. whether it's music or visual art or writing or poetry all these it's all about communicating and I think uh, I realised that there was a more direct way to communicate yeah. rather than through objects so it was just through uh, just get forget so this idea of social art and socially engaged art uh, so I started getting into that and then I went back to uh, Grey's and did a master's and an MFA title of the MFA was called Critical Social Art Practice. Okay. So it essentially covered it and it came along, like pretty much everything that's happened to me in my life, it's, it's great. It's just come along by luck. It seemed timing was perfect. I just happened right. to be there and things sort of coalesced and, and, and happened. Uh, and yeah, so I was really lucky to study. It was, it only ran for one year, this course. It was a guy called oh, okay. Ken Neal, who was a kind of contextual studies lecturer up at Grace And uh, so yeah, Ken Neal and Ian Irving ran this course, and it was amazing. So for one year, I, I was in a class, and it was the four of us in the studio studying this with these two great, amazing artists and, and educators, and uh, and that completely set me on the path of doing art, which was socially engaged and participatory. So it needs people to be part of it. To, yeah. uh, and the form it took. I mean, when I was uh, well, I still am. I'm very envious of a lot of my friends who are musicians. Okay. And I, you know, like most kids, I mean, I was really into, and I still am really into music, And but I really was, I want to be a rock star, Aye. a guitarist, or something. <laughs> but I just don't have the aptitude, or Aye. I didn't have the kind of, whatever it took to kind of get beyond that embarrassment of being up on stage. Oh, okay, that, that and, fair bit, oh, the yeah, just get, yeah, just that stage fright yeah. thing of, you know, putting yourself up there. And, and I mean, when I was a, when I was younger, I did have sort of, you know, some anxiety issues when I was a kid, and I would get panic attacks, that kind of stuff. But just, I mean, no, nothing serious. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the main thing that made me give me confidence and got me sort of into into sort of thinking about who I was mm. and uh, what my life might be like. It, it was skateboarding. I think it was one of the main things. Okay. So that kind of so the the socially engaged art skateboarding. And sort of seeing my friends who were into uh, into music, who were performance, and being really envious that they could just be, you get this direct connection. So you make your your yeah. art as your music, and instantaneously you get this this connection and feedback from your audience. Yeah, it's immediate, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Whereas with art, you once you've made the object, it can be a solitary process mm-hmm. of making an object, and then you you put it into the world, and you do get some feedback, but yeah. it's not instant, and it's 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 usually mediated through. Yeah whatever kind of lenses happen to be around all of them. You know, some of the best thing is when you have like an exhibition and people are looking at your work and they don't know, who, they don't know you, they don't recognise you, and you can kind of overhear them and get this really honest <laughs> sort of, you know. Feedback, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I think one of the first exhibitions that was in was at one of the Royal Scottish Academy kind of group exhibitions okay. that you, it's, all, it's like an open submission, so anything you submit gets put in there. It's like, a lot of art students, it's the first thing that they exhibit. So I, I want to play around with the idea of they'll accept anything. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, so I think I'd, I'd done a, <laughs> a piece called uh, The Dirty Dozen, which right. was a, 
an array of 12 photographs of dog shit. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, from when I was on an exchange in Prague, mm -hmm. there's the park estate. Yeah, anyway, and overhearing people, like, just completely disgusted and yeah. horrified at this thing. But, uh, like it obviously gives you, it gave you the right smile on your face. That kind of, do you like that kind of even hearing that, like the fact that people were engaged with it, or was that, yeah. was it kind of like that kind of cheeky sense of humour there? Thinking, oh, actually. I think so. I mean, I was just being kind of quite cliched and yeah. sort of a young, fresh art student, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that is an important thing, and that's I realised that it's that kind of, uh, it's quite an egotistical thing being an artist. I think being a, a creative producer of some kind because you're bringing something you're creating something out of nothing really yeah. and you're putting it in the world and you you can't really work in a vacuum you need to have that feedback you know you yeah. need to hear something and uh, so anyway i think that was the 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 thing that got me into doing public art and, and performance-based stuff uh, was this idea that I, I wanted to short circuit the whole process of making something that contains ideas which then get hopefully someone maybe engages with that object and the ideas in it and then maybe you, you might meet one or two folk who've seen your art and you can talk about ideas but yeah. it's quite a roundabout way yeah. and it's more direct if you just have the have the object or have the idea and you can just you know communicate through some of it so. and I guess I was just kind of thinking about you know you're saying like from, from your like no public art it forces people to engage with that yeah your everyday not, not, not everyone has like a mundane life but it's just like Every day, and what's normal, and what's what your perception of normal is, and what isn't. You know, you see something is like that's not in the context of my day-to-day -day routine, yeah. And it forces people to look at this and engage with it and comment on that as well. Yeah, that's so, a yeah, that's a really important part yeah. of the whole thing. I mean, one of the a major influence I had growing up was reading uh, reading Castaneda, Carlos Castaneda, mm -hmm. uh, and one a series of books where. I mean, they've, they've been discredited as being sort of fictional, but he was an anthropology mm -hmm. uh, student back in the 70s, 60s and 70s in California, and he presented a thesis based on his interactions with a shaman in New okay. Mexico. Uh, and he basically talks about this shamanic approach to the world. And I think art is, is shamanic in a sense, you know, yeah. this idea that you're, you're creating your own language for or interact, of in, how to interact with reality, and you're mm -hmm. trying to share that. And a shared kind of a skewed perspective on things can, you know, does change. Yeah. But anyway, so Castaneda, he, he had this, uh, Don Juan, the character in the book, mm -hmm. The Shaman, uh, he's trying to explain that the only way to really see reality as it really is, you know, the underlying reality, so the, the idea is that there's this one sort of objective reality underneath everything, that we're all kind of tied into a little bit, but we're all on our own yeah. sort of journeys. But like, the, the way to access that underlying reality, the real truth of things, to really see with a capital S, he said that the way to do that is to stop the world. So you have to you have to insert something in to disrupt the flow of okay. like you're saying that everyday reality. Yeah. You just walk into work, you're kind of on autopilot. You just sort of, but something that jars you out of that. Yeah, is that's called stopping the world. And then in that space that you create by interrupting the flow of normal life, there's a, there's so much potential for you know in, in the story and the teachings of Don Juan. It was about you know. That's where you could you could practice magic. You can make things happen. It's magic, but I think the same thing happens with with art. And yeah. You can you can engage with people. The conversations you can have, the the way that you can you can even if it's just for a tiny amount of time, you can change someone's perception and change their reality. Mm -hmm. I think that's a magic thing. I think it's a that's what I'm going for with with a lot of my projects, yeah. especially in public, is to try and interrupt the world, interrupt the flow of someone's day to day life. Mm -hmm. 
and get them to look at things in a new way. And I think with Look Again, that's what that's kind of as a festival what they're doing on a bigger scale. So yeah. it's been really great that throughout my career, the work that I've I've done, I've just been lucky enough that things happen, you know, so stuff like Look Again happens, yeah. people I know are working, you know, you other people in other places are working along parallel lines, and uh, yeah, I've just been really lucky to, to coincide with, with things like that. So yeah, this the, the public stuff is about me trying to communicate more directly with people, but trying to change the world, I mean, I think that's kind of what you want, but yeah. not, in a, not in some grand, like, sense of, you know, big political change, but it's just mm. individual people, you know, if you could just get someone snapped out of their kind of it's like escapism sense. Yeah, people yeah. engage with music and art but yeah like you're saying you're kind of you're you're interrupt you're forcing your work upon people yeah. in a sense you but to kind of it's but I think it's yeah. still it's still like you know having that and I guess like you've had and we'll get into that as well you've had a couple of pieces in Aberdeen already and I think you've been that's previously you involved look again before yeah that um like somebody seeing that they could they go home or they see that on the bus, but they go and telling a friend or family member about this. I saw this thing today, and that you know, did you know what you know? Yeah, and yeah. it's like it's it's kind of like for me, I think it's like those things are important for people that you know that every day is changed just a little bit. Yeah. Is it the influence there that someone yeah. can maybe go oh, go and look online and find out oh who's this guy? What is he doing and stuff? You know, or yeah. just kind of you know recognize that oh stuff is happening in Aberdeen. I want to kind of go back to um, when because you were speaking off mic and you said that you moved away from Aberdeen. Yeah, for a period yeah. Of like seven years. Yeah, around yeah. yeah, six, six and a half, seven years. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, my so my my kind of professional trajectory was yeah. So I I, I did my masters and I'd done other I'd done kind of various jobs in between, but mm-hmm. yeah, Peacock Visual Arts was was great. They gave me a sort of straight away. I started working with them mm-hmm. and they doing a little bit of community based stuff for having like do workshops for people in the gallery yeah. and then that went that transitioned into working for a, a, an organization called white space oh, yeah. which are now their creative learning now so yeah but it was the aberdeen city council like oh, arts okay. development team oh, yeah. was so, you in rosemount then no, no they had this we had this amazing space over on frederick street okay uh, which has been knocked down and replaced now but it was right. this it was fantastic it was a, a creative hub in the center of the, the city which mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why it was called White Space, but it was great. It was like a an old, almost like a kind of coach building or something. Oh, so okay. where this downstairs there was these big sort of almost like a, imagine a kind of like an automotive garage kind of. Oh, right. So these big open spaces, and then upstairs were offices and different bits. But we had a team. We probably had about a dozen arts development sort of or White Space art tutors. Oh, they yeah. had on the books, and yeah, everyone was kind of like employed in a freelance. But we had this great big team of people, and then we had a kind of. A sort of project management tier above that, right. we're saying so, and it still operates now as creative learning, just mm-hmm. small. So back then, yeah. I just remember it being a great hive of activity, a buzz, loads of folk and practicing artists, but also teaching in yeah. the community. Always, you know, you could go in there any day of the week and there'd be stuff happening, mm-hmm. and uh, they would do, yeah, all sorts of great projects. So I got into doing that mm-hmm. and going out into communities, and uh, to begin with, it was it was a practical thing. It was the closest to, you know, it was a job that was the closest to, to being an artist. Okay. You know? I mean, you've got all the other jobs that, you know, working in the bar and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Driving lorries, I did. Right. All this stuff, which was nothing to do with art, but it was just to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a common uh, model people do. And then the time that you're not working, you're working up. But I, I really wanted to try and work a job that was as close to 
what I was doing at my own art as yeah. well, which is what I did. And then uh, from doing the arts development stuff or Whitesby stuff, I kind of I then got into working at I worked at Aberdeen Art Gallery as a technician there, and I started getting more into the kind of cultural sort of project management side of things. I was mm-hmm. an arts officer for a while, so I kind of oh, yeah. that kind of management level of yeah. that, the creative learning. Uh, and did various sort of things. But then I moved down to, we moved down to Glasgow. Oh, right. So I was following an opportunity. I went and worked for the Dick Institute, which okay. is a museum down in Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. It was a really interesting year spent there doing uh, kind of like a museum curator, project manager, and sort of gallery technician all rolled in one. Oh, right. We did these amazing big shows uh, in the space there and I got a really good view of that side of things the kind of the more administrative and project management side so so I've worked in in this sort of career as an artist but also as a kind of on the other side of the fence oh, okay. so like, uh, but anyway so it was just work took us away yeah. the thing as well is that since graduating from Grace uh, myself and you mentioned off mic before we started that you know we've got a mutual friend in John Reed yeah. and John and lots of other people in Aberdeen have put in lots of time over the past couple of decades, you know, like really working behind the scenes, and, yeah. you know, in the shadows, in the bay. We had literally, we, we like Jim, you and I, uh, we started off a, a studio collective called 26, uh, which is where we really got to know John. John was a, a very big part of that. Mm-hmm. We had, we literally had this basement sort of hovel for, I think, about eight artists. Okay. We shared that and... So, but we'd I'd, I'd spent 10, 11 years working really hard to try and like make a, make a viable career in Aberdeen. You know, yeah. to, but I felt I wanted to move away uh, to sort of see see a different perspective, and hopefully it would allow me to look yeah. back in Aberdeen as well. But I think the the a lot of the a lot of the time people go to study at Grays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grays School Works a fantastic place where this most outlying art school from the centre of action, you've got Edinburgh and Glasgow, the central belt, is yeah. the, where all the action is, and then the further away from that, but we're the most furtherly north kind oh, of art yeah, school, yeah. and it's, yeah, I think a lot of people study there, and then they'll move to where the action is straight away, yeah. so that drain of talent out of the city, mm-hmm. so I, I was really conscious when I, when I uh, you want to maintain a presence now. I want to stay and I want yeah. to work, I knew that there were people here as well, and we, we had, there was a small band of us, and we really, you know, put a lot of effort. And the great thing about Aberdeen is that for its it's a city, but it's it's a small city. It's just on the cusp between yeah. being a, a kind of town and a city. Mm-hmm. It's a so it meant that it's a fairly small place culturally. It was a fairly small place culturally. Mm-hmm. So it meant that you could have quite a big impact yeah. even as a new artist. Yeah. And there's something really great about that. I think it's one of Aberdeen's strengths is that it's got that kind of uh, that feel to it. Yeah. But then yeah moved away and I'd, to be honest, I'd kind of start to despair a little bit. We'd been working so hard, slowing away, and yeah. not really much was happening. And it's tough because you can't blame it on any one thing. You can't say that you know people aren't supporting you because people were supporting us yeah. again as much as was. And we were, everyone around us was was working hard, and, so, and we were all supportive of each other. But there came a point it just was I want to see a different kind of. And I've got friends who live in Glasgow who are in the music scene down there, mm-hmm. and, and artists in there, and. Yeah, I just thought. Yeah. So we did that for a couple of years. We stayed in the last couple of years. Then my wife and I, we we came across this opportunity to move out to the middle of nowhere and have a completely different change of life. Okay. So I'm, I'd, I'd always been a, a, a very urban sort of person, a city right. boy, uh, you know, keen on the convenience of modern life <laughs> yeah. and stuff. But 
I'd really, uh, we, my wife found this place that was uh, a cottage for rent in an estate right. in the, up in the Trossachs, mm. right on the edge of Loch Lomond. Uh, and we just sort of went on a whim to go and look at it. But once, once I saw this place, I fell in love with it. Yeah. So for a few years we lived off-grid, we had a generator for power. Oh, wow. We lived in the end of a like, eight-mile long track. You had to drive a Land Rover to get over to it. Yeah. And I was like living a kind of living the dream. <laughs> so then I'd like a pickup truck and I'd yeah. go out in the woods, chop down wood for to heat the place mm-hmm. and uh, we ran a business there for a while so we had a cafe on the West Highland Way right. uh, and so we did that for a few years mm-hmm. but then the estate was getting sold so we had oh, to, okay. to, to, to get ship up and but we thought well Aberdeen looks because in that time where I was living down Glasgow and also living in the mountains I was still coming back to Aberdeen and doing projects yeah. and that was what happened with Luke again mm-hmm. back in 2017 and that was a so I came back then and did a project called Through the Looking Glass yeah. which was a like a two metre diameter mirror mm-hmm. that I rolled around uh, the streets and it was I remember seeing that as well <laughs> not, not, not realising that was you so that was like okay. <laughs> yeah I mean that's an interesting point because partly the, the the mirror idea so that it was just big enough being two metres diameter mm-hmm. I was behind it so it kind of it was almost like camouflage yeah. so it camouflaged me I was mm-hmm. hidden uh, but it was also a, so it was a reflection of what was on one side but it had a weird Kind of like I mentioned for that stopping the world idea, so it's a really unusual thing you're seeing just passing by, and it's yeah. maybe gone before you even get a chance to mm-hmm. fully understand what you've just seen. <laughs> so there was that idea of uh, yeah, but I've been hidden, maybe behind it is a big part of why I'm not a performance artist in the yeah. sense that I can just go and be me. It's me and my body or the the subject of the performance. Mm-hmm. I need to have an object between me and the audience, oh, okay. so that. Uh, it kind of allows me to deal with my my sort of uh, stage fright, so to speak. So <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 when you when you did that project in two thousand seventeen, yeah. do you remember hearing the comments when you're really in this like you know big reflective mirror? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question actually. Yeah, yeah people most of the time, especially sort of love of Aberdeen is there's a, a certain kind of uh, well, there's a response that you always hear, which is "fitzat, fitzat." <laughs> People want to know what it is, and yeah. instantly they want to try and like conceptualise it and mm-hmm. put it into a context that I under, understand. Yeah. You know? So that's usually, you know, I mean, I've done performances in other places, yeah. even like over in Spain as well, where yeah. I didn't understand. You know, the language barrier was there, yeah. so I couldn't. But that initial response is the same wherever you go. It's just mm-hmm. people want to know what it is. Yeah. You know, they want to try like, classify it, so it can be understood. And it, in with through looking glass. Mm-hmm. The comments usually it would be fits at, and I would be gone before because it was a it was in constant motion. I didn't want to stop, stop, and, yeah, because it was like this illusion, this passing illusion that I wanted to try and you know not give folk too long to kind of uh, get to grips with. So, and the, the whole point was that after they'd seen it go away, they were like, "That's weird looking. Is there anything else going on yeah. around me now that I should be paying more attention to see what's mm-hmm. going on?" Or you know, it just sort of opens. And then, I mean, I'm sure if we just go back to the day, oh, it's probably just some stunt that someone's mm-hmm. doing. But, uh, but, yeah, so, I don't remember, people are usually quite shy. It's, yeah. it's funny, they don't, most people, unless <laughs> unless they're like, you know, daytime drinkers, <laughs> or <laughs> the people who hang out at the studio are kind of engaged in, the, in those kind of things, they'll, they've got no sort of qualms yeah. about coming up and being, getting, and it's, a really great way to kind of uh, yeah track up a conversation yeah <laughs> the barriers being down but anyway yeah. most people they'll 
they'll stand and they'll look mm. and they want to know what you can tell that they want to ask. Yeah. You know? And you can play around with that a little bit. You can yeah. sort of, you can change your demeanour as mm. the sort of, the performer in the, in the sort of situation. Yeah. To be open or to be closed, you can do the stony-faced sort of, I'm performing, I'm not <laughs> aware of what's going on. But I usually can't do that. Okay. I've, tr- I've tr- dabbled in that sort of, yeah. but generally I, I see myself as like just the custodian of the piece. So I'm just Fine. moving it around. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm kind of there's a, a performance artist called uh, David Sherry mm-hmm. from Glasgow who is really inspiring he he really plays around with the idea of being the kind of uh, he plays a part when he's out doing oh, so I'm really kind of I want to develop that side of it more yeah uh, but yeah the moment it's more about the object so okay. I don't recall any particular comments <laughs> And I wonder from because I think you kind of just touched on it, just like you know when you kind of came back. I think like you know because you must have been coming back and forth to Aberdeen when you was in Glasgow, then when you yeah. moved away, yeah. and then from like all that time ago when you just kind of started things, and actually you're part of like you know getting things started, yeah. you know, in the creativity and culture in Aberdeen. Were you also recognising visibly? Oh, things are changing here. Oh yeah, like, what's that going on? You know, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I've got family. My wife and I both got family up here, so we'd be back regularly. We've got friends here. And, yeah. But the great thing, which wasn't around when I was starting out, was is social media, right. uh, and it's you know for all the downsides of it. So I think the positive parts of it are that you you can keep. It's like an instant update on what's going on. So yeah. following people like John and the Moody Collapse blog and what's I mean. You could see things happening. So with new art coming, yeah. you know, the Aberdeen-inspired sort of stuff you get, and the different festivals that were going on, uh, you could see things. I would mostly look again. I think it was actually, you know, engaging with that project. So in Twitch, I'm doing that project, coming yeah. up here and seeing what else was going on, seeing mm-hmm. the... It was almost like the atmosphere in the city's changed, you know. New art is a... I've never... I've never seen so many people in public, you know, John yeah. leading these huge gangs of folk around to go look at art and talk about it. And yeah. It's just like a, it, I still can't quite believe it. But that's right. happening but now. I know, it's, it's amazing, yeah. Mm. So the, the, the appetite for it or the awareness of it as a positive part, you know, mm. it's something, instead of just going out on a Saturday morning, going to a shopping centre yeah. and then going home again, mm. there's a reason to be out in the streets of the city. And to me, that's a really important thing, you know, that this sort of, the, the idea that there are public spaces, there, there are shared civic spaces yeah. in a city that people have to mm-hmm. physically be in and yeah. interact with each other, or we just get divided up into, or, or we stay in our sort of uh, little bubbles, or yeah, little bubbles like, on yeah. the tribes, your groups of people. And exactly, you know, yeah. 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 I mean, there's some really interesting stuff I've been reading recently. I mean, I'm quite, these sort of forays into public space mm-hmm. with sculptures and doing these sort of performances, they're a way for me to, I, quite often, there's a, an underlying intent that I have to have. I mean, I've never been the kind of artist who could sit down with a blank sheet of paper or just a blank space and just improvise something yeah. out of the ether. I've always really admired people who have that kind of connection to some creative force that they can just magic. I've got to get it, you know, it's, it usually starts conceptual. It starts with an idea of what you want to achieve and then I come up with a plan of how I would approach it how I'm going to build the things that are going to make that happen. So it's all planned out. And with sculpture, it happens at a pace which is different to you know, the more immediacy, immediate thing of drawing. Or yeah. And so, uh, so you get a lot of, you know, so you, you're, at the moment I'm making the finishing off the piece for, uh, for, for this year. June, for this year. Yeah. 
and it's you know you do a lot of thinking and planning, and then you go and you're just working away, and it's usually repetitive tasks. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sanding something down, or you're yeah. shaping something, or you're building something, and it's that time when you're thinking, you get the sort of the, the, the concept of it, of things mm-hmm. come to. But for a long time now, I've been focusing this idea of trying to, you know, the idea of stopping the world in itself is interesting enough. You know, you just interrupt someone's day with something interesting. Yeah. But for that to have some kind of purpose, some kind of like utility where the thing that you're in communicating has some meaning or some mm-hmm. some relevance. So for me, that relevance is like public spaces and the fact that there's been a trend in my lifetime away from there being truly civil public spaces yeah. in cities that people have ownership over. Mm-hmm. Everyone owns those spaces, mm-hmm. you know. We've got the appearance of them now, mm-hmm. but they're not really, you know. And that's one of the things that I try and do in work is to uncover those hidden hierarchies of who controls the spaces you're in right now yeah. so like Marshall Square mm-hmm. I was just having a cough there from over there it has this this sort of like open feeling of kind of like this is a public space it's yeah. like you know it's like a town square it's, it's, got, it's through you go through a council building yeah. to get out there as well and yeah you could yeah, yeah. kind of walk through the square to go down to the, the studio yeah. yeah and you kind of feel you see people having their lunch and stuff but you don't really feel like oh is that always oh, open on the weekend can you yeah, yeah. go through there as well oh, I don't, well I'm not meaning the quads yeah. oh, okay Marshall Quads right. such I mean the Marshall Square you know the new, the new oh yeah, yeah 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 okay yeah. and so, there's a big leper yeah. sort of looking down at yeah. everyone and it's a really some like to me that really sums up it's the most recent development I suppose mm-hmm. but it has this illusion of poli- because you want the, it's the kind of this model of a, the kind of it's encouraging a certain behaviour yeah. so you want people to shop you want to feel comfortable you want to go into the restaurants yeah. and just consume and pay you know and yeah. contribute to the economy of the city and, when, and it's all great but yeah. that there's a there's a lie being told there which is that this is your place you know so yeah. you feel, this is your but then as soon as you do something slightly Subversive, slightly outside the norm, like rolling a piece of sculpture through the place, yeah. or setting up a, a stall. We did a project mm-hmm. uh, called Temporary Art School back in 2012, uh, where I trained up like a group of folk and to make prints. We had a mobile printmaking oh, okay. unit, and we went out and all the prints that they made, we give folk the chance to screen their own prints, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then we would just set up a stall where we were just giving out free prints. Aye. And we went to different civic split. The, the, the point of it was to try and it was the first real conscious way or conscious project where we, we were to I want to try and interrogate that idea of who controls the space so let's prod yeah. let's prod the possibilities of what we can do in the space okay. and see what happens yeah. and I was bringing these people along with me to try and experience I didn't tell them this was my intention yeah. because you know it's experiencing it is, is what I want to do so yeah. but it worked brilliantly we, we went to a few different places we went down in front of Union Square you know where the train station oh, was yeah. Yeah. when that was built they the des- they designated that as a civic square. They called it, and that's I think oh, yeah. in the planet. So it's supposed to be a public space. Oh, okay. We went down and we set up a stall mm-hmm. and started giving out free prints. And right. as soon as we started doing that, security guards <laughs> just sort of materialised. <laughs> oh, you can't do that here. You need a permit, or you need a, if you need permission. Yeah. Like, but I thought this was a public space. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, you need permission. You know. So okay. Yeah. And this is something that the, the seed for this sort yeah. of mischievous approach mm-hmm. to testing those boundaries. It comes from from skateboarding. Okay. So when I was like thirteen, I was aware a lot of that. Then you can't yeah. do this here. And exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's a healthy thing. I think mm-hmm. rubbing up against the the edges of, of what's possible and mm-hmm. having a sort of playful conflict with people in public spaces. I think that's something that's missing from a lot of people's experience, especially 
generation grown up now, there's this idea I've been reading about recently, like there's a political philosopher called Chantal Mouffe who posits this idea of agonistics. So the idea of like that antagonism or that antagonistic sort of encounter with someone is horrible. You know, it's like yeah. you're in conflict, but it's like it's violent and it's sort of you go from zero to hundred really quick yeah. when your values are challenged and you know, the, so she talks about this idea of an agonistic space, a place where you can have a discussion which you might completely disagree with someone, mm-hmm. but you can have an intelligent and valuable discussion. And it's not just about sharing ideas. It might be that you meet someone who has opposing political views to you. Maybe mm-hmm. you're in a town square, or it's like a, or you know, it's it's like a, a you know a, a cafe situation. Yeah. Or it could be, but or it could just be, you know, you bump into some drunkard on the street, right. you know. But rather than shy away and be like, oh, you engage yeah, with people. Yeah, you know, and then yeah. skateboard did that and may put you into conflict with people. Yeah. And because you're kids and you're playing, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to chuck you in jail straight away. <laughs> so you get that space. And it's that idea of that we're missing that. And that's, I think, at the root of quite a lot of the problems. We've got this kind of division in our society. Mm-hmm. It's because people have, they, they build up a political identity or an identity for the other, but it never gets tested out. You never get the chance yeah. to look, you know, the, the behaviour that you are advocating as you know one sort of group of people mm-hmm. if the only other folk that you talk about your ideas with are people who agree with you mm-hmm. you know it's this kind of like echo chamber thing yeah. then you never really get to test your ideas and you never really challenge exactly well, yes yeah. you need to you need to like be challenged mm-hmm. by someone saying well no that's that's nonsense you yeah. can't you can't think that and here's yeah. why and yeah well, well no i'm going to defend my point and that either it means you either change yourself into a better person or you strengthen what makes you mm-hmm. a good person yeah so, it's the idea of, of a discussion in public, which we don't you know. People live out in, say, some fancy like suburb, mm-hmm. and they get in their SUV and they drive to the mall, and they encounter the mall, and it's a sterilised environment controlled by security guards, so nothing subversive is allowed to get to you. Yeah. Whereas it would be better to still have these places, you know, where you maybe you're walking down the street and you do have to step over some junkies or some mm-hmm. street beggars, but at least you, you might... You know, it, it's it's just like what uh, Moof says is mm-hmm. the that you're stuck in this sort of like eternal adolescence mm-hmm. as an adult in the yeah. Western world, where you're you're separated from the things that would challenge you. Mm-hmm. Whereas you need to have that to become a true individual to really uh, have a, a legitimate and position in yeah. culture and society. Is you you have to be your assumptions need to be challenged. Like, and, I guess it's like it's kind know. of the sense like sort of hiding away from it. Exactly. Engage yeah, yeah. with it. Engage yeah, with yeah. your public. Don't have that. I think, like for like for most of us, we're very we can easily get very comfortable in the day to day routine and what's kind of like for us and be yeah. very protective of that. Yeah, yeah. Something comes along and disrupts that, we freak out. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We don't yeah. manage that well. You know? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of confusion about uh, this idea of safe spaces mm-hmm. and the idea that you shouldn't have your, you know, you should be, you should be coddled and. You know the world. That if you know you, you should be protected from things that you don't agree with, yeah. or they might challenge what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there needs to be some, uh, yeah, some places still preserved where. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone should be forced to defend them. But I just mean <laughs> that there should still be spaces inside where you might stumble upon someone that you disagree with, mm-hmm. and you can have a healthy discussion. Discussion yeah. about it, and that's yeah. kind of what I'm 
trying to do in a way. And uh, that kind of kind of link into your new project as well for look again. Yeah, oh definitely. Yeah. I'm gonna probably say I don't have tongue tie, but mobile proposal machine. Yes, that's so it. So how did yeah. that project and that title come about? Well, this it's kind of along the same line. So the this idea of public space uh, and proposal the word so mobile proposal machine. And the proposal part of it comes from a previous project I did called Proposals. Okay. And uh, so that's spelled P L O P A S A L. Uh, oh no, proposal. O S A L. Okay, so. Uh, but the idea, it's there's a, a kind of a term, a pejorative term for a certain type of public art mm-hmm. called plop art. Okay. So, you know, picture the, the kind of corporate uh, piece of art which bears no kind of, the, there's no relevance to its surroundings. It just plops down. Yeah, it just yeah. gets plopped down. Yeah. It's usually corporate, so it might be in the front of, like, say, an office building. Mm-hmm. And it's generally plop art is like a projection of power, you know, mm-hmm. corporate power or, you know, political power. Uh, I think an example of uh, plop art I just saw before coming here was mm-hmm. the, the Andy Scott, the, the leopard oh, yeah. on the post mm-hmm. in Marshall Square. So it's a, I mean, I like Andy Scott's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's come to represent, though, this type of. I mean, so the leopard is relevant to Aberdeen and yeah. so on, but it's it's the it's this kind of like it's almost a a kind of cultural violence in a way where you're you're putting this huge big sculpture and it's been paid for by public money, but yeah. there was never any kind of discussion with the public about yeah. you want this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean there's we we do have we've got people that we appoint as cultural sort of uh, arbiters who decide on these things, you know, there's panels and it was select I'm sure there was all a, you know, I've been on that side of the fence. I know where that works. So yeah. it, I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's wrong to have public art. I just think that that, to me, I classify that as public. So it's got a certain, a monumental kind of use. It's a, a representation of the power of the city council. It's mm-hmm. the leopard. And it's looming down, and I don't know whether that's intentional. To me, yeah. it might be just that the the kind of logistics of having a sculpture that size meant it had to be up in the air, so yeah. it wasn't kind of. And it's it's very striking. But whenever I see it, it just makes me think this is like. Council, it's like the, the sort of king putting a big statue of himself, like, yeah, towering yeah. over everyone. Remember who's boss, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, proposals was a kind of response to the plot part, and the okay. idea was that I would uh, make the, the there's a, a certain sort of visual language for mm-hmm. public art proposals. So, the idea that if you are commissioned to, or if, if you're answering a call for for commissions for a public art piece, the first stage of it involves sending in a visualization or an idea for what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then if you get shortlisted, you may develop that further and so on. Uh, so I quite like the idea of uh, the, the proposal itself, the yeah. image which shows a sculpture, you know, a mock-up of a sculpture in a public space. I really like that as a kind of piece of art in itself. Just the, So I made a series of posters, and this was when I was working uh, as a, a lecturer, when I went to a lecture down in Cumbernauld. Mm-hmm. So on my kind of breaks between classes and things. I was working on these little photoshopped up sort of mock-ups of things. And I would, yeah. But I would make them... Well, it's almost like a, a visual trick where you have a photograph. You find a, the spot that you want to place the poster and you take your photograph of the, the site from that that viewpoint. Okay. Superimpose your sculpture on top of that and then you make, print out a physical version of that mm. as a poster. Stick on. So you get this kind of like visual thing. And you can see that... It's it's hard to describe, but when you see it as a visual, yeah, it makes yeah, sense straight away. Okay. It's like a a visual pun almost. So the idea was that 
I was, as a, as a citizen, mm-hmm. I was rebelling against the city of Plopper by proposing my own pieces of art in public right. places. And I wasn't asking for permission. Yeah. It was totally undemocratic, but mm-hmm. it was my kind of little sort of like fight back against that kind okay, of cool. idea of that system. Yeah. So the project for, look again, mobile proposal machine, the idea is that we're going to take that, I'm going to take that process of mm-hmm. proposing what to do with public space. You know, what, what, what do I want? I'm going to open that up to the public. So I'm going to, I've made a mobile proposal studio. So we've made, it's like a, a tool for generating sculptural proposals okay. uh, based on not, it, I, I want to try and run into people in the street and just stop them and just off the top of their head say, right, okay, what do you want to see in that park over there? Okay. Or see that space between those two sets of stairs there? Mm-hmm. What do you think would look good there? And I'm going to have tools, so we'll have a sort of sculpture studio okay. and, and uh, people can construct items that we can then photograph and use uh, digital imaging to superimpose it and then we'll leave behind us a trail of posters yeah. which are like this low-tech virtual reality version of a, a sculpture park okay. in a week. So I hope that des- that describes it yeah. succinctly. With all these things, the the description of it isn't as, uh, as immediate as I've seen it, but the form it's going to take. Uh, so I was really interested, the, the theme of this year's Look Again Festival is new narratives. Mm-hmm. And I really like the idea of... New nar- that that's the way of summing up that proposals project. But yeah. I wanted to open that process up, and for it to be a very quick kind of interactive thing that folk can come and have a go at their own. Uh, but I wanted to make it relevant to Aberdeen and the idea of new narratives, and the idea of like shaping your environment. Yeah, the fact that we as humans are we're not unique, and you know other animals do this, but we have a, <laughs> we're uniquely kind of powerful in the fact that we can construct an environment to suit us. And, mm-hmm. It's a, but it's it's a process that that most people don't engage in, you know, other than maybe tend in the garden or yeah. so. But there's something really exciting about making a change on a scale like that. And that's yeah. great thing with being an artist and working in public is uh, you you get the opportunity to do that, even if it's just temporarily. So, yeah. So I want to open that process up. So with that in mind, I mean, I, I was thinking of, you know, an an icon, a way that a vehicle that we could transport this around that we make. Mm. That would make some kind of sense or be relevant, uh, and also at the same time, I want to make a, a spectacle. Yeah. Something when people see it, they're going to be like, "I've got to go over and look and yeah. closer." I to this have, thing to, have to engage and yeah. interact with this. Yeah. yeah, so it goes back to you know the thing folks said, "Fit's at," <laughs> and hopefully that question is followed by actually going up and finding it. Yeah, fit <laughs> so, so that the sculpture piece, like, is, it will be it's the head. Yeah, well, that's who's, so, the, who's the head of? Like, that's that's so it's it's going to be Archibald Simpson. So okay. I've, I'm making it's like the disembodied head of Archibald Simpson yeah. on wheels, mm-hmm. and inside his skull is the sculpture workshop and a digital production workshop. Oh, uh, so yeah, that's it. I'm going to wheel around a giant Archibald Simpson looking head, <laughs> and invite folk to come and uh, delve into his into his brain <laughs> and make uh, make these new narratives. So mm-hmm. it's going to hopefully yeah we're going to hopefully have a lot of posters behind yeah. us showing the what the people, what the average person, what just anyone who it could be someone who's just visiting the city, it could be someone who's lived here forever, it could be mm-hmm. anyone who interacts with this project, that they can leave behind their vision of a new narrative mm-hmm. for the spaces of the city. Okay. So it's like a, a democratization yeah. of the idea of plot art. It's still okay. plot art, yeah. but it's not top down, it's 
But yeah, then there's that level of engagement as well. Which I think yeah. that'd be really interesting. I'm really interested to see what the response of the public will be too, with yeah. this project and how how's it going so far? Are you nearly closely finishing the sculpture now? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the form, the 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 head itself is is just about finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next steps are that I need to uh, I need to decide on a kind of route uh, for the week of the of the festival. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be out every day. Okay, and the idea will be to try and do circuits so I'm going to have different sort of routes through the city centre okay. uh, which try and take in key areas so mm-hmm. over the years all the kind of different public space stuff I've done I've, been, I've kind of identified these nodes these like focus points where lots of people pass through so oh, okay. for instance like in front of the Marks and Spencer and the Clayston line, yeah. there's a sort of area there that is, is right for that there's places like Union Terrace Gardens which yeah. have their own politically charged kind of atmosphere about what's supposed to happen in that space mm-hmm. Uh, and then just various things, even just like finding these little pockets where people gather in the streets. Maybe it's near pedestrian crossing. So, but it's when you look at the city that way and see the way that people naturally sort of gather, yeah. you realise it's not natural at all. It's a, the city's been designed to place people in certain places. Yeah, so, you know, and, the, and that goes then back to this idea of these civic square, these so-called public spaces, which are really corporate, you know, corporately controlled places. Yeah. That, Changing people's behaviour mm-hmm. in a sense. No, it sounds yeah. like a really cool like kind of concept. Yeah, I really look forward to it. So, will you be kind of going around the city from the sixth or seventh of June to the sixteenth? Yeah, so it's going to be the yeah for the June. So we'll have yeah. I, I can't remember the exact dates, but yeah, that's and so I'll be planning routes, trying taking as many of those okay. nodes, those focal points as possible, and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, just seeing what happens. But again, I mean, it's when you're interacting with public and projects. You can never be entirely sure how it's going to turn out. Yeah, so anything can happen. Exactly. Week, yeah. That's it. Yeah, but that's the the most exciting bit for me. I mean, I, I'm really lucky that I get to do this as a as a job. And yeah. There's there's also I mean the the other stuff that I do. I mean I make the more the older I'm getting, the more I'm becoming a bit old fashioned and thinking right. myself. I want to like leave something more tangible behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's again that ego. I do being an artist and forcing your stuff up on the world, but the 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 temporary performance-based stuff, it really only exists afterwards as documentation yeah. or, and then in the memories of folk who mm-hmm. interact with it. But I really want to leave behind something more solid. So I've been getting more and more like traditional things. So I've been working a lot recently on like, making furniture, doing yeah. woodworking, but then also working with more uh, traditional materials like carving okay. stone and wood right. and so on. And, uh, but I do the head as a, a sort of conceptual object. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to keep myself within a sort of uh, yeah, like a I guess yeah that's that's the kind of the outside edges of the this, the, the framework I'm, I'm trying to make work in yeah. uh, so everything has to do with heads so, okay. so it's a big roll head or it might just be a little small sculpture of a head right. uh, so yeah that's, that's kind of, but I get to make so I get to make stuff and also yeah. get to go out and there's all these different phases to work so I'm in the studio on my own for months making something and then I'm out in public talking to people about it and mm get them involved and then they they're part of the work as well yeah and then afterwards you've got the documentation and the kind of the you can still have some effect with the work by just talking about the idea of it you know? mm-hmm. yeah. and like for you i guess like after you know this look again project what what's going to be happening for you like in the future of this year and beyond what else are you going to be going to be getting up to yeah yeah well i'm uh, i've just started a really exciting new project mm-hmm. with a uh, RGU Grey School of Art. But I can't really say too much about it. So now we're going to announce stuff. Uh, cool. Announce that soon. But uh, but yeah, just still 
I think that for me the, the future, the near future is continuing uh, to, to, to work on projects yeah. in public and trying to communicate. And, you know, one of the things about being back in civilization after living in the mountains is uh, that, yeah, being around people more. Yeah. And it was a bit jarring to begin with after being quite asleep, <laughs> but, but now I'm really, Aberdeen's just a great energy around just now, so I want yeah. to try and get more out of that and do some okay. more sort of smaller self-directed type things. And, and okay. Say, and then also, yeah, to uh, to work on this new project with yeah. with Grace, which okay, uh, like to come to come and speak to you soon. Absolutely, that'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, um, to kind of yeah, definitely kind of catch up about that as well. Um, definitely, yeah, that would be something. Definitely, kind of like to explore a bit further, even 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 about like a bit more about your practice as well. Yeah, I think you know, obviously, this is for the like special episodes for Look Again Festival. Yeah, I think you know, like it's really kind of cool to catch up with you, Craig, in person yeah. finally. Oh, thank you, know, you as well. So, yeah, but it's um, great to meet you. Yeah, yeah. so man, and where can people find you like online? Yeah, well, just on Instagram. Mm-hmm. My uh, it's probably the most sort of up to date stuff, like most folks. So, that's uh, Stray Dogman mm-hmm. is my handle on that, and then just my website, CraigBarman.co.uk. Yeah. You can cool. see some stuff in there, which yeah. is. It's not as well updated as it should be, but okay. But yeah, that's that's uh, that's that. And awesome. Yeah, and also look again through if you look at the through the look again festival page. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you can see more about the project I'm doing, and also mm-hmm. some other amazing. There's lots of great stuff. Yeah, going on. yeah, definitely. There really is. I think this year's going to be kind of like you know really want a really good show yeah. as well. So you we'll, we'll see you about in town in June. Yes, from yeah. the seventh to the sixteenth and stuff. So yeah, definitely guys, look out for that. Mobile proposal machine. Yes, yes, I got it right. No tongue twister. <laughs> I'm gonna have to practice it as well. <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister. I don't know why, but um, but Craig, um, thank you for coming on the podcast, oh, thank you. making yes. episode sixty-one and the first of I think it's like six-part special for the Look Again Festival. Forward to the rest of them. Yeah, yeah, awesome. But thanks again, Craig, for coming on, thank and you. hope you guys enjoyed. We'll catch up with you soon. Right, bye for now. So yeah, that was episode 61 with local artist Craig Barman. I'd like to thank Craig for coming on the podcast and sharing his story with us and also speaking about his project for Look Again this year, Mobile Proposal Machine. So um, definitely look forward to that when um, the festival starts this year. And next week, I'll be speaking to Steve Smith and Ian Gross about their project for Look Again called Trading Faces. It's definitely a really cool chat. I hope you guys, you know, tune in for that and give that a listen, a like and a share. And if you guys are interested in volunteering with Look Again this year, you can email them um, on lookagain at rgu.ac.uk or you can message them on their Facebook page which is Look Again Aberdeen. So I'll see you guys soon and take care for now.